Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I think it's safe to say that everyone has been mad at their parents a time or two. Or you have a kid that is currently mad at you now. It doesn't matter how old you are, even as an adult, I've fought with my dad a time or two. When I was a teenager, I remember once my dad and I got in this just huge heated fight because he thought I'd been caught speeding by one of those cameras. And come to find out, he'd been the one behind the wheel. I'd been asleep. But I mean, it happens, you know, frustrations boil over, disappointment enrages, whatever the case may be. But was this the case in which a teenager shot her mother point blank in the face? We are still waiting for the answers. WQAD Podcast Network. The crimes that made your skin crawl. The missing faces you just couldn't get out of your head. The questions that never got answered. Missing and Murdered in the Midwest dives deep into these unforgettable cases, solved and unsolved. This content is not for the faint of heart. And now, here's your host, Toria Wilson. Over the past five years, we've covered a lot of news at our station, from the happy, the sad, the frustrating, even the mundane. But this case was one that has stuck with me, not only because of the shock value that came with it, but how these facts have rolled out over the days and weeks and now years since this all happened. So let's back up to the summer of 2017 and head to the small community of Morrison, Illinois. And when I mean small, I mean really small. There's not even 5,000 people living there. It's very quaint with that small town charm. Saturday, July 8th, a call comes over the scanner just after noon for a house fire off West Park Street. From the outside, it doesn't look like much happened. It didn't burn to the ground or anything spectacular. So when fire crews get there, they go inside the home to investigate just what is burning and come to find out there's a body in the home. 53-year-old Peggy Schroeder was found dead on the scene. Neighbors, as you can expect, shocked at what happened. She was she was a good good person. And it's a tragedy what happened. You definitely don't expect it and I'm, I don't know, especially just right next door. Of course, a lot of questions began to swirl as to what happened to Peggy. But the information police released was all they had at that point. It's a fire, a body, and an investigation underway. A team effort between Morrison Police, the Whiteside County Sheriff, the Illinois State Fire Marshal, and Illinois State Police. So in typical news fashion, we air that information. And then a few hours later, we get another press release. Not even 12 hours after the fire was first reported, an arrest had been made. 2 a.m. on July 9th, two juveniles were caught and that police would release more information soon. And a reminder, the facts that came out in this investigation was like a slow burn at first. 
pieces of the puzzle would be released, but not the entire jigsaw all at once. We would later learn it was two teenage girls arrested, and they were in the Whiteside County Jail. But no formal charges had been filed yet. What was their connection to Peggy? Did they start the fire? Did the fire kill Peggy? The question swirled in my mind and probably a lot of other people's minds as well. An autopsy was scheduled for that Tuesday, so we didn't know the cause of death for certain. And while we didn't know what killed Peggy Schroeder later that Tuesday, it would come down as breaking news that her 15-year-old daughter, Anna Schroeder, had been charged. Two counts of first-degree murder, concealment, and arson. Anna's friend, Rachel Helm, who was also 15 years old, was the other who was arrested, but at this point, faced no charges. Sauk Valley Media has been following this case so very diligently over the course of the past two and a half years. Our station covered the big things, but that's about it. During that initial hearing, this is what Detective David Molina testified to in court after speaking with both Anna and Rachel. On the evening of Thursday, July 6th, Anna waited for Peggy to come home from work, which happened to be in Sterling, Illinois. That's about a 20-minute drive if you don't stop. When her mother arrived home, Anna met her in the living room, saying that she had a surprise for her. Unbeknownst to Peggy, Anna had a 38 revolver on hand, which was her mother's. Anna asked Peggy to put a towel over her face and shot her in the forehead. Now, pause. I know what you're probably thinking. How could her mom not know what was happening? Even with the towel over her face, she had to have heard the gun, right? Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately in this case, Peggy was deaf and probably had no clue what was about to happen. But a gunshot to the forehead, quick, painless. Back to the testimony. Anna told the sheriff she texted Rachel what she did. Rachel, though, didn't believe her. And so Anna sent a picture of her mom's body to her. Later that night, Rachel came to the house, dropped off by her own mother, and the girls spent most of the evening trying to clean the blood out from the carpeting. They would eventually fall asleep in Anna's room. Friday, July 7th, the two moved Peggy's body into her own bedroom, kept her on the floor but covered her with a bedsheet. The two kept ferociously cleaning the carpet, and they would eventually get hungry, so they walked to Subway. Anna learns there that her father is coming into town. They then head to another store to buy even more cleaning supplies. Now, I'm not sure, given that it wasn't brought up in the testimony, but the girls then decide at one point they would run away. The girls dye their hair. Rachel goes red, away from the blonde. Anna dyes hers black, covering up her brunette. But instead of leaving right then and there, they don't. Saturday morning, the girls set the fire. They knew they would be destroying evidence in doing so. Rachel would be the one to set the fire to the bedsheet covering Peggy's body. But here's the strange thing. Anna then goes to her dad's house. Rachel goes back home to her family in Rock Falls, another 20-minute or so drive from Morrison. It would be that afternoon that neighbors reported the smell of burning plastic which would later lead to the discovery of Peggy's body. 
Sometime after her arrival home and overcome with guilt, Rachel tells her mother what they'd done. Around 8 o'clock that Saturday night, Mrs. Helm drives Rachel to the sheriff's department, to which the teen would spill everything to Sheriff Molina, even where Anna could be found. Here's another crazy part to me, which I still can't wrap my mind around. As Rachel is sitting in an interrogation room going over the gory details as to what happened to Peggy, here's Anna on Facebook posting to her mom's page saying, quote, I don't even know if you can see me right now, but if you can, I just want you to know you were my best friend. There were so many things I wanted to say and do with you. I wasn't always the best daughter, and I'm so sorry. I love you so much, Mom. I just want you to know, and I'll never forget you." End quote. The message was followed by two heart icons. Anna would later be picked up at her dad's house, brought into the neighboring Bureau County Sheriff's Office for questioning. According to the Whiteside County Sheriff, the Bureau County deputies left her alone for nearly an hour before she finally broke down and asked for her dad. She too would also confess to the crime, even admitting to researching children who murdered their parents. Both 15-year-old girls would be placed into custody at the Mary Davis Juvenile Detention Center in Galesburg, Illinois. It breaks my heart to just even talk about it because I just, I can't imagine life without my mom and now she's gone and it's because of my own blood and flesh. That's Kayleen Schroeder, the 18-year-old sister to Anna and daughter to Peggy. News 8 would speak to her the same day all this information came out to the public, that Anna was responsible for her mother's death. Peggy had legally adopted both Kayleen and Anna. And Kayleen says, while the two had a rocky relationship, she never thought this could happen. I can't believe she would do something like this. I mean, she's never been known to be violent or to just burst into moods like this. I just, I don't know what was going through her mind. And I just, she just threw away her life and my mom's. On July 22nd, 2017, Peggy's ashes were buried at a cemetery in Savannah, Illinois. A little more than two weeks after Peggy was buried, Rachel Helm would face a judge. On August 8th of that year, the 15-year-old was formally charged with arson and concealment of a homicidal death. So after this hearing, the question had to be asked, would Rachel and Anna stay in juvenile court or would they be bumped to adult court? They are 15 years old after all at this time, but they've committed a serious crime one that led to the death of another human being. Anna's mother, in fact. And they even confessed they knew what they were doing. Are those people who say, do an adult crime and you must do the adult time, prepared to say that a 14-year-old can join the military? A 12-year-old can be bound by a contract? That's Anna's defense attorney, Jim Murdies. He spoke with News 8 back in November of 2017, right around the time that Anna was facing her hearing to determine if she would be tried as an adult. It would later be pushed back as Murdy's asked for a psychiatric evaluation on Anna. But in this interview, Murdy's argued that juveniles should be held to a different standard than, let's say, an adult. There is no area of the law that treats a 15-year-old as an adult. And, and that's, that's how we want it. Our emotional reactions are understandable, personally. Um, but the law is not guided by emotion. It's not guided by outrage, it, it can't be. Sometimes, sometimes 
the law saves us from ourselves. Moline child psychologist Richard Hutchinson had counseled teens who have committed crimes like murder. And he says juvenile cases, generally speaking, are sensitive because the frontal lobe of the human brain, which helps make reasonable decisions, doesn't fully develop until a person's mid-20s. Kids, you know, should be held responsible for their behavior. It's not that they're not held responsible, but, but I think the, we need to take into consideration the child, their developmental age, um, their maturity. It's not that they can't plan ahead and they can't think, it's just they don't have the capabilities that most adults do. Back in 2015, Illinois lawmakers did make it tougher for minors to be automatically transferred to adult court. They laid out these two rules. A juvenile must be at least 16 years old and eligible only if they are charged with these three crimes, first degree murder, aggravated criminal sexual assault, and aggravated battery with a firearm. A judge is also required by law to consider a child's intellect and reasoning capacity before making that decision to try them in adult court. Now that type of hearing was held in early 2018, starting with Rachel. Rachel's defense for helping Anna with this entire crime, she was scared. Anna did have a gun, and Rachel knew that she already used it once. According to Rachel, Anna had told her she shot and killed her mother at point-blank range to be with her. Rachel also claimed she was afraid that Anna might hurt herself. In April 2018, Whiteside County Circuit Clerk Court Judge Trish Joyce made the decision to move Rachel's case to adult court, saying she just couldn't get past the callousness of this crime and that Rachel had opportunities to leave. Sarah Webster, a longtime friend of Peggy's, was there the day Rachel's case was moved. It's a huge victory. It's huge that they need to be punished for what they've done. They need to suffer some consequences as adults. As an adult, Rachel faces up to five years for concealment and up to seven years for the arson, if she is convicted. For Anna, she would find out in June that same year that she too would have her case moved to adult court. Now, according to Anna's testimony during this hearing, this was all Rachel's idea. She's the one that egged Anna on. The real motive in this case was that Peggy was going to end this romantic relationship the two girls had. During questioning on the stand, Sheriff Molina said that Rachel sent Anna texts on multiple occasions that expressed her desire for Anna to kill her mom and that she perceived that Peggy did not approve of her. Also taking the stand during this hearing, the defense's forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Stephen Wine. Now he stated, according to Sock Valley Media, there was no indication that Peggy had done anything other than express concern about their relationship. But the girls took it to a whole new level. Schroeder's state of mind was such that she felt, quote, if I can't be with Rachel, I can't continue to exist, Dr. Wine said. Not only was it intense peer pressure, according to Dr. Wine, she suffered from a myriad of mental health disorders, including depression, anxiety, attention problems, and self-mutilation. She was or had been on 10 different drugs and had seen 18 different mental health professionals, none of which appear to have spoken to one another. 
leaving Anna to not have a proper assessment. It was also stated that one of the drugs that Anna was on, Zoloft, had caused her to hallucinate as a child, but had been put back on the medication in April of 2017, with the dose being doubled in May, two months before the murder. Her defense team claims that because of this, she's not responsible for her actions. They claim she was forced to take these medications and was in an involuntary drug condition who, in a sense, could not understand at that moment in time that she was doing something right or wrong. Since Anna is in adult court for her case, she faced the possibility of life in prison. Now, if her case would have stayed in the juvenile system, she could have been released after turning 21. Both teens pleaded not guilty in their cases. They are being tried separately. Since the move to adult court, both cases have been continued again and again and again, and I don't even know how many times, in all honesty. Everything in it has a story with Peggy. For sister Charlene Wilkinson, waiting for justice, I can only imagine it being exhausting. News 8 spoke with her in 2018. My sister never would have seen this coming. Uh, she adored Anna. Oh, Anna loved her mom, and that's what I saw. But she's angry, and that's understandable, not only at her niece, but Rachel as well. She and the rest of the family have been waiting and wanting to know what's the true answer behind this heinous crime, and what will justice look like for Peggy two and a half years after her murder. Both these girls are put away for a long time. They took my sister's life. And I think the justice system should take theirs. On New Year's Eve 2019, I was digging around for news, trying to find content for the next day of shows, when I decided to look up what the latest was on Anna's trial. It was originally set for January 16, 2020, and court records indicated that it had been stricken, essentially meaning canceled. I remember shaking my head in confusion and had to call and confirm it with the Whiteside County Circuit Clerk because it didn't make sense. Days later, documents would be released by the county clerk, detailing what had happened. A judge essentially throwing out part of Anna's confession. So let's rewind. 11.40 p.m., July 2017. Anna is sitting at this small table in an interrogation room with officers from the Illinois State Police and Detective David Molina. None of them are in uniform. She's not handcuffed. This isn't some law and order episode. She would be asked if she wanted to drink or go to the bathroom, you know, just casual conversation at this point. The officers would inform Anna that her dad was just outside and could join her if she wished. Now, before questioning began, she was Mirandized. If you don't know what it is, then you haven't seen a law and order episode. So according to these court documents, when she was asked if she wanted a lawyer, she responded, hmm, I don't know. When asked if she wanted to talk to officers, she stated she just wanted to go home. But nothing gave the indication that she was invoking her right to stay silent. So the questioning began. And after a half hour, Anna stated, quote, I don't want to talk anymore, and asked for her dad. So one officer goes and gets her dad, but the other remains seated and continues to ask her questions. 
A short break would happen, and questioning would continue until about 1.30 that following morning. But following that break, the officers did not remind her of her Miranda rights or ask if she wanted to speak to or have an attorney present during this. So the judge in this case ruled that everything before Anna stated she didn't want to talk anymore could be used in a trial. Everything after, though, thrown out. So while this is timestamped to have happened on December 16th, 2019, this ruling, we didn't get these documents until January 7th, weeks later. And then another stunning twist would happen, not even 24 hours after that. Do you still wish to enter a plea of guilty and give up those rights? For me personally, when I first saw this headline, I about damn near fell out of my chair. Jaw hit the floor. I didn't see it coming, even with the part of the confession being thrown out. And I'm not the only one. It is kind of a slap in the face uh, towards police. That's Whiteside County Sheriff John Booker. This is the worst crime that could be committed. Yeah. Shooting your mother in the head. And we go from a lesser charge, a second degree murder, instead of first degree murder, which is the worst in homicide. Speaking with News 8, Sheriff Booker says he respectfully disagrees with the judge's ruling to throw out this case. And not only that, but the lesser charge of second degree murder. Hundreds of hours were put into investigating this case by officers. Not only that, but he claims there was enough evidence to go with first degree murder charges in the first place. You know, I don't know if there's anyone to blame, maybe our system. Peggy's sister, also upset, but more so at the state's attorney. And I put all my faith in the state's attorney to do the right thing. So I asked him if I had a voice in it, and he said no. And I feel everybody has the right to know the evidence, to see the evidence and hear the evidence. So I am disappointed there's not going to be a jury trial, because I feel everybody needs to know how horrific this act was. Charlene has been upset about this for a long time, probably since she heard the news. She had plans with her sister. They loved to garden together, be together, and that was taken away from her. That future that all siblings have, the one that's planned but not set in stone, you know? You just know you're gonna spend the rest of your life by each other's side. She is missed every single day, every single day. Charlene and probably the whole Schroeder family feels left down. But Anna's defense says that the police knew what they were doing. The police officers who interrogated my client were fully aware that she had the right to remain silent. Yet when she asserted her right to remain silent, they persisted in the questioning. So Anna is set for sentencing on May 1st, 2020. She now faces four to 20 years in prison. But there's a good chance she would only spend 10 inside a penitentiary maybe even less if she gets time served. So more like seven. But what about Rachel? As of this recording, which can change on a dime apparently, she is scheduled to go to trial in February of 2020. Now, will we see what we saw with Anna's case? Or will Rachel go through with a jury trial? Only time and the court system will tell. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. 
As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.